0: It's Amber. This month, Pastor Mike's new book, What's Big Start Small, is finally available. It examines the parable of the sower. I've read the Bible most of my life, but sometimes I need someone to make me stop and really break it down. What does this mean? What is Jesus saying? What warning should I take from this? This book was a fun but convicting read. It would be an amazing book to do for a Bible study with friends or neighbors or coworkers this summer. It's available on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. We are finishing up our Hope series today with an episode titled, E is for having an eternal perspective. Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal: to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. I used to work for a lady, and when we uh, when I started work, I, we would very often. Um, talk about politics or political events or current events for the first couple minutes that I was at work. And she used to always say to me, Amber, hope springs eternal with you, doesn't it? Because very often I'd say, well, you know, it might still turn out okay. And we can still pray and God might intervene or, you know, it looks bad, but it could end up being even better down the road or something like that. And um, she would always just shake her head and say, yep, Hope springs eternal with you, Amber. But the hope that I'm talking about today is not the hope or the wish that things will turn out on earth, that our politicians will make good laws, or that they'll act on our behalf, or that the things that are happening in our town that ends up in our news, which are so often the bad things, you know, that those things will just stop happening. That's not the hope that I'm talking about. And that's not the eternal perspective that we need because those things may or may not turn out good in the end, but we have something to look forward to that supersedes what's going on right now on Main Street or in Washington or whatever the news is telling us. So first of all, what is an eternal perspective? Well, it's understanding that this life is just the journey. It is definitely not the destination. Too often, we are so distracted trying to make the perfect life here. We want everything to turn out and we want circumstances to be just so. And if they're just so, then we think that we can just sail through life. But you don't have to live very much life to realize that that just doesn't happen. Smooth sailing only happens for a little bit of time. In fact, can we even get through a day without things sort of falling apart? Very, very rarely. You know, all around us, we are just subject to living in a sinful world. So from the very moment that Adam and Eve chose to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the earth was subjected to sin, all of the earth, not just people, but animals and all of creation. That's why decay is part of our world. That's why animals too get diseased. That's why we don't live forever because Adam and Eve were banished from the garden so they could not eat from the tree of life, so that our life, our eternal life, was not here in this sinful world, but we were going to be subjected to death really and death would be the vehicle that God would use to bring us home to be with him in heaven forever. That's why we're told precious in his sight is the death of the saints. It is God's way of bringing us home to him and not living forever here in the sinful earth. So Jesus said in this world you will have trouble but take heart because I've overcome the world. Jesus wasn't trying to be a major bummer. As in, you know, hey, guys, life is going to stink. Hope you're ready. You no, know, just the opposite. Jesus was saying, I understand the troubles. I understand the stresses of living in a sinful world, of being in this place where things do not work together anymore, because it's all under the curse of sin. But hey, guess what, guys, when you look to me, when you see me, when you look at my life you see that i have overcome the sin in this world how did he do that jesus came to this earth from heaven he took on humanity he lived the perfect life that we could never live he never sinned he never broke a commandment and then he gave his life in exchange for ours he died on that cross as a payment for our sin. We could never pay for our sin because we are sinful. We couldn't live the perfect life. We, we couldn't be a suitable sacrifice. So Jesus became the suitable sacrifice for us. And on that cross, on Good Friday, he said, it is finished. It is finished, which means paid in full. Our debt paid in full, we're done, we're redeemed Like this, as hard and as terrifying and as filled with agony as this life can sometimes be, it's temporary. And that is why we have hope, knowing this is the temporary journey and we're headed somewhere else. We're headed to heaven and God tells us in the Bible what heaven is going to be like. It's going to be a place of no hunger, no tears. We're not going to be too hot, too cold. We're going to be in this place of having no sin, and we are going to be in God's presence forever. Now, we're also given some passages to help us understand our plot on this earth as we're plotting through. So we're going to look at two of them. The first one is from Matthew chapter seven, and it says this, Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Why did Jesus tell us this? Because it's a lonely road. Narrow is the gate. There's only one way to get to heaven. And that is... By believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior, by knowing and understanding the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that Jesus was the sacrifice, and believing in his sacrifice for the redemption of our sins, that is the gate that leads us to heaven. Most of the people on this earth are heading headlong for the wide gates. The wide gates that says, well, if I'm good, I can earn my way. Or, you know, this this life isn't it. I'm going to be reincarnated and I'm going to come back and next time I'll be a better person. Or, you know, just thinking this life is all there is. So we have to eat, drink and be merry. We have to get what we can get. We got to get all the pleasure out of life that we can get right now because this is it. That's the wide road. That's the wide gate that most people are running headlong. They're going as fast as they can. They're heading for that gate. And they're not worried at all. They're not concerned at all about that small, narrow gate. Jesus, as the way to heaven, foolishness in their eyes. And why? The Apostle Paul said in Second Corinthians 4, The God of this age, the small g, the God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan's goal. He is working so hard day and night, never taking a break, to make Christianity look crazy and foolish and to convince people that that is not the way to keep people on the right wide, wide road that's what he's trying to do so as much as we are trying to convince the whole world that the narrow gate the narrow path is the right path satan is working so hard to convince to convince people just the opposite look at the teachers of the law in jesus day They saw Jesus as a political threat that had to be stopped. Now, when you read the Gospels, you can see the foolishness of that. You see that it's insanity. Jesus had power. He used his power to heal people, to multiply food, to take care of people, to to show people that he was the Son of God so that they would put their faith and trust in him to get their salvation. He did not use his power to create an earthly kingdom. And yet... They saw him as a threat. They completely misconstrued why he was here. They saw too many people were listening to Jesus and following Jesus. And that meant less people listening to them and following them. And so he was a threat that needed to be taken care of. Same thing. This world is evil. And most people embrace that evil. All throughout his word, God gives us guidance and he gives us ways that we can learn about him and he teaches us to be like him because he loves justice, he loves mercy, he loves integrity, and he is love. So as we read God's word, we we, we can become more like God, but when we do that, you have to know that Satan will see you as a threat. And Satan's goal is to dishearten the saints, to convince us that God doesn't love us, to make us ineffective or to silence us, to thwart us from telling others about God. He wants us to feel insignificant. He wants us to think that, oh, this isn't the right opportunity. He wants to just keep us from doing the work of God. Revelation twelve twelve says this, woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you and he is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. The apostle Peter describes him as a roaring lion looking for who he can devour. He's just looking for people who are weak, who are weary, so he can come along and hopefully snatch them up, eat them up, gobble them up, spit them out. Jesus, though, is telling us, I've already overcome the world. Like, I I defeated death. Satan is defeated. And with me, and with the Holy Spirit in you, you have the power to overcome. And you have the power to bring people over to God's kingdom, to bring people into the narrow gate. You can tell them about me. And that's why we can't get distracted with all the insignificant things that Satan loves to distract us with. He wants us to focus on things like, oh, I don't know, redoing our kitchen or having the latest electronic gadget or catching up on that Netflix series or you don't need to pray tonight. You can spend your last hour, you know, of awake time on TikTok or or watching a movie or you know, whatever. Drinking your beer, thinking nothing. Pastor Mike taught me one of the behind the series um, interviews that I did. Pastor Mike was talking about mountains and molehills. And he said, you know, we tend to take the things that should be mountains and we make them into molehills. So what should be the mountain things in our life? Staying close to God, right? We should be making sure every time every day that we have time for God, we should be spending time in God's word. We should be praying. We should be making sure that other Christians are encouraged. That's, that's how we should be spending our days, right? And yet those become the molehills. How many days haven't you gotten to the end of the day? And you're like, well, I meant to read the Bible, but I didn't. And that day becomes a few days, and then it becomes weeks, and then it becomes months. And then you're at June, you had decided in January that you were going to read your Bible every day, but it hasn't happened. So now you're at June, and you're thinking, well, should I even start? The answer is yes. Those things that we really want out of life, to walk with God, we need to make those a priority. We need to keep the mountains the mountains. If you start your day reading your Bible, you're going to get it done. If you leave it to the end of the day and you fill your day so full of things, it can easily get pushed aside. Same with prayer. You know, the the problem is not that we pray prayers and God forgets to answer them. The problem is that so many prayers were not ever said. We have to make prayer. We have to make reading the word priority That needs to stay the mountain. What are the molehills? All the little insignificant things that we make our mountains. We fill our day so full of things that in the whole scheme of things don't really, they don't matter. It doesn't really matter if you get your car washed today or tomorrow. But it might matter if you take the time to encourage that neighbor of yours who's really going through a hard time. It probably doesn't matter if... You finish that Netflix series today, but you know, it might make an eternal difference if you spend 20 minutes praying for the young people that you know and praying that God would keep them in his tender care and that he would help them to recognize temptation and that they continue to walk with the Lord and that Satan doesn't get his fangs in them and that they don't embrace worldly ideologies. Those things matter. An eternal perspective, then, is one that remembers that earth is not the final destination. And this life is just a battlefield. I am getting so much better, and I'm sad that it's taken this long in my life for me to get here. But I am getting so much better at recognizing Satan's tactics. Even with church hurt people who have been hurt by people in the church. I've been there. I've experienced it several times myself, to the point that I've been like, man, I don't even think I can go to this church anymore. I can't be part of this committee anymore. I can't whatever. And I get it. But I also get that Satan wants nothing more than to destroy the church on earth. And he wants that hurt to seem monumental. Man, if he can fan that flame, of hurt and despair. He just keeps on pumping. Like, yep. Oh, that was really bad. Oh, if they cared about you, they definitely would not have done that. Nobody cares about you. Nobody listens to what you say. That's not God's way. When I see how Satan loves to cause division, he loves to make it seem like this is something that you can't get over. You can't forgive them for this. This hurt is too big. Man, he is just in all his glory. We just have to know that Satan's goal is to destroy the work of the church, destroy our Christian families, cause division, to lull people into just thinking, this is it. And Christianity is crazy. So what do we need to do as we're trying to keep our eternal perspective? Number one, we have to stay in the battle. I get how weary the battle can be day after day after day after day. There is never going to be a shortage of things to pray about because as long as we are in the sinful world, we are going to be experiencing the effects of sin. As long as we are Christians, Satan will not stop trying to devour us, our children, our friends, the people in the church. It's just the way it is. So if you think that you're going to have a lull, that you're going to have a peaceful life. That's just not the way it goes. We need to stay in the battle. We need to know this is part of the plan. We are battling Satan. Look, our part is very small because Jesus already won. We're just trying to help other people see that, hey, this is just Satan trying to tempt you, trying to torment you, trying to take you away from the full life that God would give you. So stay in the battle and know that you can't do it with your strength. Go back and listen to last week's podcast if you need to. P for resurrection power. The Holy Spirit in us is where we get the strength to get back up. To keep battling day after day after day. Knowing it's not us. We just have to use the words that Jesus gives us. We just have to use the word. We just have to remember to pray. Prayer is one of the most effective tools that you have. Like That is what we need to be doing in order to really meet the challenges that Satan gives us. We shouldn't think that we can do this on our own. One of my favorite, favorite um, acronyms is PUSH, P-U-S-H, pray until something happens. I heard J. John talk about this. Um he had a talk called Changing Your Perspective I think it aired on Focus on the Family back in 2015. And he said pray until something happens. Be like that persistent widow. Do not give up. So often we pray our prayers and if we don't see anything changing in the first week or two then we we kind of push it aside. We forget to pray about it anymore. We go on to the next thing. Listen, if the situation hasn't changed, keep praying. And pray until your dying breath, even if you don't see the situation change. I cannot tell you there are so many accounts of prayers that have been answered after people have died. I even think, and I've mentioned this before, my grandfather prayed for me. I lived with my grandfather during college. I know he was praying for me, and he did not live to see the answer to those prayers. Keep praying anyway. You don't know how and when God will answer the prayers that you pray. You keep praying them. And keep your prayers spiritual in nature. This is, again, something that Pastor Mike graciously taught me. You know, he said in his small group, he does not allow any prayers that are not spiritual in nature. So, for instance, if someone says, my grandma has cancer, then they're going to be praying that her faith remains strong. That she realizes that God is there whatever happens and I started doing this with my confirmation class you know when they um, when it comes time for prayer time at the end of class I say only spiritual prayers and so often they'll bring up something and I'm like okay how can we pray about this in a spiritual way meaning there is so much more than the physical going on here and we look at the Lord's Prayer and what Jesus taught us to pray He mostly, taught us to pray about spiritual things, about forgiving other people, about God delivering us from evil. There was only one petition, one request in that prayer that talked about something physical, and that was give us this day our daily bread. So when we pray, we really, really need to keep this in mind. Listen, yes, it's important that your children get good grades or do well in school, or maybe it's not all that important. I had a child who struggled through school I don't know that it's all that important that they get good grades. What I do know is that it's important that they know God and that they know that God is with them and that God puts them on the right path. And I know that it's really important that they have Christian influences around them and that they don't despise the word of God. I don't know. I'm sure I've told you guys about this in the past, and I'm sorry if I'm repeating this and if you've already heard this, but... I, I'm working in a job now where I have an hour drive there and back, so I have a two-hour commute each day. And um, one night, I really was praying for this one child of mine to have Christian friends because his work environment was not was not that at all. So I started praying, Lord, please let this child get a different job where the work environment, you know, is more Christians and that they can speak into this child and and really shape this child in a way that they're not getting shaped right now. And I am telling you within two weeks, that prayer was answered. There was a different job. There was a job opportunity. And within a week of him getting a job, I was able to talk to one of the guys. Well, first of all, this child ended up working with one of the guys in our church. And that, that guy stopped me and he was like, you know, this person's a Christian, this person's a Christian. And I was amazed that God so graciously answered that prayer right away. We need to be praying for our children to be alert, to see the signs, to notice what's going on. We need to pray that they go back to the word. You know, that's one of my deepest desires is that my children do not take the word for granted because it's so easy to do, especially as young adults. Most of their friends don't necessarily start their word their day reading the word, or end their day reading the word, or have time at all for the word in any place of their day. And, you know, I keep trying to tell them these things, but so much of life is God really putting it in them. Lord, put a love for your word in their hearts. So this is a lifelong thing. I tell my kids all the time, I'm not going to be here forever. Your faith walk is between you and God. It's, it's not, I'm not the intercessor here. You and God have this relationship, and I want you with me here. I want you with me in heaven. I want you with me here, and I want us going to church together, and I want us living the Christian life together. But even more importantly, long after I'm gone, I want you to continue on this faith journey, and I want to see you in heaven for eternity. And then another thing, prayer is super important, but another thing is actively seeking to get people into the Word. Look, Do what you have to do to get people into the word. Start family devotions. Send your kids a text every day, a Bible passage. Um, Start a Bible study. Pick two friends. Pick, you know, another neighbor. Find somebody. If you can't leave your house for whatever reason, you can do a Bible study over the phone. A friend and I last year, we went through the Psalms and we texted each other every day. This is what I noticed, and this is what I saw, and can you believe that this is in there? And you can do it from your recliner, but get in the Word and get other people into the Word. That is where we get our guidance. That's where we keep our hope. When life seems hopeless, when we go back to that, we get our eternal perspective. We're reminded that this world is temporary and that God had a bigger plan, and this is just The little tiny part of the journey that stinks, but God is with us and it it won't always be this way. And remember, Jesus used God's word to defeat Satan when Satan came to tempt him. So it is so important that we are in the word and that we know the word because Satan loves to twist the word and make us think that it means something totally different than God intended it to mean. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Fix your eyes on Jesus and knowing that the plan he has for your life is that he bring you home to be with him forever in heaven. And when that is your goal, when that is your mission, and when you keep your eyes there, you are going to be constantly reminding everyone around you, hey, guys, this is temporary. This is just a blip on the radar. God has a bigger plan. God still loves you. God is with us. God is going to bring us home to heaven. We just have to get through this. And then hope can spring eternal in us because we know where we're headed We know that Jesus overcame, and he's bringing us to be with him forever in heaven. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Hey guys, I just want to take a minute to thank every single one of you who has taken the time to pray for the important work we're doing, or made a donation, or took the time to encourage any one of us at Time of Grace I want you to know we appreciate you, and we're thrilled to partner with you to bring the hope of the gospel to the world.